0: Hello, I'm Chantel Campbell, the Chief Diversity Officer for the City of Buffalo and Chair on the Board for the Exchange at Beverly Gray. You are tuning in to the Black Business Month podcast, an initiative by Mayor Brown. And today we are here with Ms. Akua Menz-Adu of the Clementine Gold Group. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Thank you. So excited. It is an honor to sit here with you. Usually I know you are on the other side of the (laughs) chair doing the interviewing. So forgive me as a novice um, behind the mic doing this. uh, Big shoes to fill today. But we are excited to talk to you and jump into this conversation. About your entrepreneurship journey, yeah. So Clementine yeah. Gold Group, tell us about it. How you yeah. got there?
1: So I, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll start with just the name itself, right? And why um, I chose Clementine Gold Group. So Clementine is my grandmother's name on yep. my maternal side. Um, when she passed, I knew that I wanted to honor her legacy in some form or fashion. Um, I had heard this. It was a quote from Erica Badu, and I think I mentioned this on our podcast, too, where she says there's two times when someone passes or like when they die, essentially, you know, the time that it happens, but then also the last time someone says their name. And mm-hmm. so that kind of rang a bell for me to say, I want to continuously bring her name up and make sure that her legacy is alive okay. um, in that way. So Clementine for my grandmother's name. And then gold represents the Gold Coast. Uh, so my dad's from Ghana. yeah. So I'm Ghanaian. And so had a little flavor in there. So that's where Clementine Gold comes from. I love it so yeah, much. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: tell us, what do you do at Clementine Gold Group?
1: Yeah. So Clementine Gold Group, we are an uh, equity-centered strategy and planning firm. And so we really started out in the DEI space. So back in 2019, Um, I had done a a couple different just presentations on DEI and other folks had come up to me and said, hey, do you do this for other people? And I hadn't at the time. But of course, I was like, oh, of course I do. You know, so I was ready to kind of take action on that. And so I started in the education and training space for DEI, but then soon after, and this was you know 2019, so obviously we get into 2020. We know George Floyd um, happened with his murder, and a lot of organizations were asking for training, and, and we want to you know get activated and do something internally in terms of organizations. And so started with the training, and then we moved to strategy because then people are like, okay, we had the training. Now how do we? operationalize this within an organization. So we're still doing a lot of that at this point, um, but we really diversified as a team as well. So we brought on some other folks. I have a managing director now, um, Kim LaVere, who serves in that role. Uh, so we do a lot of project management. We're doing project management on some clean energy initiatives Hello, um, right. at the state level right now. Um, and then everything that we do is from an equity center, right? So even community engagement, when we do that, we're always thinking about who isn't at the table, right? Making sure that meetings are accessible to folks, making sure that, you know, you might consider things like childcare in order to get that feedback directly from the folks that are impacted the most. I love it. Um, And so inclusive economic development is another piece where we're really focused on and really thinking about changing the generational wealth gap, decreasing that because we know that a lot of people of color experience that. Um, And although we've come a little bit further, we still have a lot longer to go. And so that's really where it was birthed out of, um, Making sure that equity is considered in every aspect of what it is that we're doing because it's so important to make sure you're considering that.
0: I love that. Obviously, yeah. in the work that I do full time, you Absolutely. are speaking my language. Yep. Absolutely. Um, and so as you're talking, there's so many things I want to ask you. Yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to slow down in my <laughs> mind. Um know we're talking entrepreneurship but before we continue down that path just for folks who are listening and might not really understand the language that we Mm -hmm, speak mm -hmm. how do you define equity tell us a little bit about what equity strategy looks like for an organization
1: yeah and I think that that's a great question because you know generally people think about strategy and it's putting certain goals down you know creating key themes to make sure that you're weaving that throughout an organizational strategy in terms of their success when we think about equity you know, being in in the center of that, we're thinking about those different questions, right? So are the people who are impacted the most at the table when you're making these different decisions? How is that impacting, you know, folks within your organization? When I think about it from a community engagement strategy, oftentimes, you know, there's organizations that are doing a project and they have to hit certain amount of meetings. They have to get feedback directly from a neighborhood. Um, But when you think about the time of those meetings, People are at work majority of the time Mm -hmm. or you think about, you know, whether I need my kid to be watched during that time. Like when I when I brought that up earlier, it's making sure that you're considering all these different impacts that really make the project more optimal for participation from that standpoint. So I would think about it from that lens is ensuring that all these different voices, no matter where they're coming from are heard and are centered in
0: the conversation. I love that. Yeah. Um, so you spoke a little bit about, uh, your team members. Yeah. You you mentioned one, I know you have another person on your team. Yes. So it sounds like there's been some growth for Clementine There has been. Yep. Talk about your transition from kind of ideation when folks were first asking you to come and do these workshops to now scaling to bringing on a team? Yeah.
1: I mean, it's been a journey. I'll say, I'll say that. Right. So started in 2019. Um, in 2020 did, like I said, a lot of the training, I think when 2021 came, that's when the strategy conversation came up. And so, um, Kim, our managing director, is someone that I knew from before, and she actually was the one who recruited me to my last job. Oh, wow. So we already had a relationship there, and I think we had a similar philosophy for how we approach our work through this specific equity lens. Um, And so... We were both working full time jobs at that point, but there were a lot of conversations that were happening and we had prepared ourselves um, through a a lot of different ways. So one of them being I took the Cornell um, certification. Right. So I'm a Cornell certified diversity professional. So I went through that program, which was about two and a half years um, doing a project, doing tests, you Mm -hmm. know, taking all these courses, flying back and forth to New York. Uh, And so I think we were positioned already to do some of this work, but the timing also worked really well. Um, so 2021 getting into that operational, like operationalizing DEI in organizations, it was 2022 really where we recognized, okay, this is a real, this is a real thing. Mm-hmm. People are hitting us up. We never promoted to this day. We still haven't promoted. Wow. Um, so a lot of this has been word of mouth in terms of folks just knowing this is the work that we do. But I think it speaks to the quality Absolutely. of the work we do as well. Right. Like our reputation that we've built here, um, being very hardworking folks who are really just passionate about this specific issue. Um, and so 2022, we recognize, OK, we're still full time at our at our nine to five at that point. Um, but realized that we were going to need some more help at that point. So Natalia Rice, um, she is our education and policy director, who's amazing. And so we brought her on at that point to help us with some of the training and education that we were doing at that time. Um, And then it was actually just this year that we added another part-time role for the project management. So we have um, like an assistant PM who's on our team that helps with some of the the projects as well. And we're probably going to have to hire next month, right? Like we're at that point where... The work is coming in consistently. We can rely. We know we all gonna get paid, mm-hmm. right? Like at this point, and so now it's just recognizing how we scale and build capacity. I love that. Another way that we've done that is partnering with other individuals that have their own firms, right, to extend our capacity. Who are like minded sure. um, in the way that we work as well. So we've been having a lot of conversations this really That's this month.
0: So many questions. You know? So many yeah, questions are going yeah, through our yeah. mind. Yep. Okay, so let's see. Where do I want to start? You you spoke about your transition. Mm-hmm we know that right now entrepreneurship also can seem a little faddish and and folks wanting to dump their nine to fives. When did you know you were ready to launch into full-time entrepreneurship and kind of what steps, if you could like give some high level steps for folks. It was a
1: journey. I'm just going to say that, right? Like I don't, I think the way that I did it, I probably wouldn't tell other folks to to do it that way. um, If I'm being honest, right? Like working that nine to five and I was at a high level. So I was at a C level um, within that organization, managing an entire HR team um, as well as our DEI initiatives and still running this business full time. Mm -hmm. And it was full time at that point. So I was working two full time jobs. Um, How I knew I was ready cause I had been talking about it probably for that entire year, kind of gearing up like, when do I pull this trigger? Mm-hmm. When does it make sense? Um, we had enough business at that point in time, but wanted to make sure that we had enough to sustain two people full time. Right. right. So, um, Kim actually came on full time before I left the organization and it got to a point where I think I was just making myself sick because I was trying to do too much mm-hmm. at the same time. So that's why I say, I don't recommend that yeah. that way. Um, and so it got to a point where I couldn't balance. Right. And I like my body was really speaking loudly to me saying, girl, I don't know how you expect to mm-hmm. do this because I'm not going to move anymore. Um, and so I knew at that point in time that I had to make a decision. Sure. Um, I also the 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 area that I really focused on was the finances. Right. Like make an executive salary. Mm-hmm. is is nothing to sniff at and my dad is somebody that I really credit for um really helping me through that as well because I'm like dad what do you think like maybe I, he's like if those books ain't talking right. like they need to talk then I ain't trying to hear this because of you know how successful you, you've been um and so we sat down and we went through the books and I talked about the reoccurring work that we had at that point in time and that's when I had his confidence to say okay this looks like you got some stuff sustaining Um, At that point, I also couldn't take on more work that was coming our way because I didn't have the capacity either. So I was leaving work on the table at that point as well. So I would say for someone that's looking to make that transition, it's not going to be an easy transition, but making sure at least that you have enough funds. One of the things that um, I had to work through was what is my minimum Amount that I need to make in order to make the you know, thinking about your rent, thinking about, you know, if you got to pay car insurance, mm-hmm. gas, food, making sure you can eat mm-hmm. and kind of mapping that out from a budget standpoint and then saying, OK, I can match that with with what's happening at that point in time. And so it was a transition. It was a journey. Um, I don't know if I was really ready, but my body made me be yeah. ready because I just there was no way
0: that I could sustain the way I was working. I feel like there's point. so much that I yeah. want to talk about in terms of women oh, listening yeah. to their oh, bodies. Yeah. Oh, entrepreneurship. Yeah. Yep. We could go down a hole. Absolutely. Another conversation there. Um, I want to circle back a little bit. Mm-hmm. You were talking about some of the relationships that you've built in the community yeah. and not yeah. needing to advertise, which is really unusual right. uh, to not necessarily have to have a marketing plan for your work. Right. Um, talk about the importance of reputation Mm, and good mm -hmm, relationships mm -hmm, um, and how that's played a part in your community and what folks can do to start to build their network.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you always hear that saying like, you know, your network and your net worth and, and how those things are combined. And even from like this DEI perspective, we know that you can tell someone's success based on their zip code. Yep. Essentially those people who are around them, who they have access to, in um, the more affluent areas, the trajectory looks different from if you grew up a certain, you know, mm-hmm. neighborhood even, and what that might look like. And so I can say that that has always been on the top of my mind, right, in terms of building reputation and making sure that I stood by my word. If I said I was going to do something, following through with that and being consistent because people, they see that yeah. and your work ethic speaks for itself. And so um, from a young age, you know, I, I came from City Hall, right? Like, and I think that really gave me a lot of my background and experience, even from the community standpoint, because we were at every single event that yes. as I'm sure, you know, mm-hmm. right. Like representing, having relationships with people, um, building relationship was always, always something at the top of my list, because you can always call on somebody yes. from that perspective. And so I think that definitely tied into the success that we have now, because I've been in a lot of different rooms, having conversations with people, the diversity of the people that I spoke to as well, from a business standpoint, from a community standpoint, um, all those things really helped in my favor because now that reputation, the work ethic, the network all goes hand in hand and it speaks for itself at this point. So when, when DEI comes up, when it comes up from a strategy standpoint, I can pride myself in being one of those names that will be brought up in this community um, just because of that reputation and the work sure. that
0: that we put always in. brought up. Yeah. Always. I hope yeah. everyone is taking <laughs> notes because I feel like you just dropped so many gems yeah, for folks who yeah. are looking to make that transition. So you spoke about um Being a a former employee in City Hall, uh, we know that the exchange at Beverly Gray is an initiative of Mayor Brown, and supporting Black-owned business is really important to him. Clementine Gold is actually housed here at the exchange where we're recording today, so right across the hall. Tell us about um, how you came to live at the exchange what was that process like
1: yeah so for me you know i had a couple of friends already in in the building Mm -hmm. um one is the producer of uh this podcast right now jamil cruz um who has cruise control media house here in the pod hub um and then also the executive director someone that i went to school with and had a a great relationship and friendship with as well um but i just the synergy of what was happening here was what really drew us here right so we had started out Downstairs doing co working, um, oftentimes using the conference room next door and just kind of coming here on Saturdays and grinding because we worked at nine to five, right? Mm-hmm. So it was a balance of maybe it's five to nine that we're working. And then all day Saturday, we were coming in here and we had been doing that for like two years to yeah. kind of build that momentum. Um, but I would say the camaraderie here, we had friends in here who have gone through similar things that we have. Um, I can hit up Jamil, I can hit up, you know, Derek and say, hey, I need help. What have y'all done in this situation, Jamil? Where am I ordering, you know, my materials from, and have vendors and other folks that come to mind? I think the importance of seeing people that look like you and that reflect the community that you come from Mm -hmm. is really important because it just validates you in in a a way that I don't think if we were somewhere else could. Um, And so we pride ourselves as being tenants here in the Beverly Gray, the Exchange at Beverly Gray, and really being a part of the change that we want to see, Yeah. you know, being a part of the solutions to different issues that we hear come up in the community. And so um, for us, we wanted to be in the community, rooted here,
0: grounded here um, as our foundation in terms of the work that we do on a regular basis. I love that. And I think uh, we can't discount the importance not only in entrepreneurship, sure. but in professional life, the importance of relationships and collaboration and being able to network with like-minded people yeah, and yeah. and hold shared space, I think is really important mm-hmm. and helpful, um, especially as we try to overcome barriers yeah, absolutely. to the next level. absolutely. So talk to us a little bit about uh, some of the barriers that you've mm-hmm. experienced as mm-hmm. an entrepreneur. What are some of the greatest challenges maybe that you weren't prepared for hmm. that someplace like the exchange could support folks that might encounter this. Yeah.
1: So I would say even just the formation of your business, I know that's something that the exchange helps with. Right, and so we came in. I was the LLC at that time. Um, and after the first couple of years, right, we kept doing business, doing business, and it was growing. I would get slapped over the head with taxes, right, like mm. and different things that I didn't consider because I was also working my nine to five, yeah. Um, so I had these different incomes coming in, which is a great problem to have. I'm not complaining, but. It wasn't until I learned, oh, you can become an S corp and change that that structure and become a W two employee of your mm-hmm, business, mm-hmm. and that can actually help itself in taxes in terms of uh, what that looked like. And so we went to the legal clinic here, you know, that was housed here. That was something that we talked to lawyers about to say, hey. What does this look like, and how have people navigated these different challenges? It was free to us as being, you know, at, at that time. I think we were just co-working space, um, but all the different services that they brought to yeah. the table. So there was a legal clinic, um, you know, you had other folks that were coming to talk about marketing and how to market your business, and all these different resources that um, were at our at our disposal at that point, right? And so I think from the standpoint of resources and getting to a point where you feel comfortable, because you know, it's one thing to do your business or run your business and be mm-hmm. great at that. It's a whole nother thing to run a business yeah. and all the back, you know, the backside of that is something that you have to consider. And I think being in a place like here, I can also ask those questions to my peers. What yeah. did y'all do? How, how'd y'all navigate this? Um, and then also just take, take advantage of the resources that we're here in the building as yeah. well.
0: Yeah. yeah. Tell me a little bit about, um, you spoke about that transition from going from an LLC to an escort Yeah, to many folks that could feel very intimidating to kind of walk that journey. Um, Even the concept of starting an LLC can be intimidating for some folks. How did you kind of build yourself up Mm -hmm. to get the confidence to level up? Yeah.
1: Well, I think, you know, for us, it was taking advantage of that clinic and just Mm -hmm. learning, okay, these are the ways that you can do it. Um, I was also in a blessed situation. So we had um, we got connected to a lawyer who actually did that process for us. Um, They kind of walked us through what to expect and they filed on our behalf um, and was able to to change that status for us. I think a lot of times it's intimidating because it's just you don't necessarily know. How to move. Right. I think another thing that I I should mention, I'd be remiss um, if I didn't bring this up, was the benefits of becoming a minority and women owned business. Right. So MWBE Mm -hmm. status, which then opens you up to a lot of opportunities at the state and federal level Mm -hmm. because you're certified. Beverly Gray also helped me with that, Go right? Ahead. So meeting with folks, having conversation. Um, there was a partnership with Erie County and the joint um, partnership that happened there. So it's Erie County as well as the city of Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And um, Derek actually put me in touch with the people. He sat down, helped me know what's what on that application. We went in front of them um, and we're in the process of becoming approved as a MWBE. Um, I love that. And if it wasn't for, I would say this, as someone who prides themselves on really being able to navigate those applications and pro- those are in- intimidating, For right? Sure. And I was very intimidated by that. But to have that step by step, Approach right with someone who could hold your hand and walk you through that process was invaluable, and that's Absolutely. something that I really took advantage
0: of as and well. I think it's important for people to know also, you know, the exchange is a nonprofit organization that's yeah. supporting the community, but yep. it's not just your traditional nonprofit. The person at the home yeah. of the exchange yep. is a business owner, Absolutely. a black man yep. in the community yep. uh, that knows what it's like to go through all of these challenges. So I love to hear this yeah. amazing success story Absolutely. of Clementine Gold coming from just doing the co working space and now having your office here, I think it's amazing. Yeah. Um, and yeah. now full time operations with a team, yeah. employing folks in the right, community. Right. Like that's ultimately what it's all about, right? Yeah. Um, not yeah. just saying being able to say you work for yourself, but to also offer opportunities for other w- dynamic women absolutely. In the community. I absolutely. think that's amazing.
1: And that was really important, I think, and in being intentional in how, you know, we map that out mm-hmm. as well. And so I just, I don't know, I'm, I'm really grateful for the opportunities that have come through this place. I'm really grateful for the camaraderie and the spirit of innovation even, yeah. right? We're talking about different things. You know, how do you incorporate AI into yeah. helping you on your business and having conversations with our peers in That's this space awesome. around that? Um, and, and it people often talk about like the journey of entrepreneurship and how lonely that can be. I can say that I haven't felt that because I've been here and have had so many Great
0: conversations with my peers in the space doing their really, you know, doing their work. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I think your story definitely speaks to Mayor Brown's intention for the space to see businesses grow and to scale in the way that right. you have. Yeah. Uh, so that is awesome. You are certainly making noise in the community. We are trying, so excited for you, for sure. Yeah. So I like to ask this question, mm. if you had a magic wand, uh, or a, a an ideal wish list for black businesses in the community, in our nation, mm-hmm. what would you like the landscape to look like for Ooh. our future?
1: Um, you know, it's interesting because I think there's been a lot of conversations around resources, um, I'm also on the Buffalo, like the Tech Buffalo board, and we're often talking about different BIPOC businesses that are coming up, but the funding not matching those same opportunities that it might match for, you know, a white person who's a business owner in that way. And so venture capital being one of those areas, um, just resources that are available to your disposal. The same way that I can go down the hall and ask, you know, Derek a question around this application or, you know, accessing funding or capital I would hope that that would be the same for other people that look like us, for right? Sure. Like um, not necessarily have to dive deep to find those things. I can tell you, I also just want to, you know, make note of we we found out about some potential funding because we were tenants here and we were awarded that funding um, through the state level. And mm-hmm. it's things like that, that continue to have your business grow and, and, sure. and having access to uh, resources like that. And so my hope and wish would be that people, no matter what your background is, no matter what you look like, no matter your background story and your personal lived experience, that you have access to those same resources so that you can, you know, make your dreams come true Absolutely. as well. Right. And and live
0: out your dreams really intentionally. I love that. Um, and grow your business. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so we know. Clementine Gold is what you do during yeah, the day. We yeah. know that you have your hands and a couple other things you are like on all the boards and the committees. <laughs> yeah. um, as I mentioned, when we started, you're you're usually on the other side, right. um, asking the questions. Tell us a little bit about your podcast yeah. briefly and where folks can find that information too.
1: Yeah, so we have a podcast that shot in the same space that we're shooting now, um, it's called the Black Gems Dive In Podcast. Um, we're talking about a lot of things around culture and diversity and inclusion and how you can really integrate that into your everyday lives, but then also, you know, within organizations as well. And so my co-host is Kendra Brem, yes, um, who you obviously know. And we, you know, we're taking a break right now, but we're coming back this fall to yeah. really come back and have really great conversations. So you can find us on Instagram at Black Jive. G- at Black Gems Dive In Podcast, we're on Facebook as well.
0: Um, Black Gems Dive In Podcast. Great, we can't yeah. wait for the fall. Don't leave us yes, hanging. We yes. are ready to we hear coming it back in. Good, good, good. good. <laughs> Tell us where we can find more information, or for organizations that are in need of services yeah. of Clementine Gold Group. How yep. can we find you? So our website clementinegoldgroup
1: dot um, You can also email info at clementinegoldgroup We're also on Instagram at. Clementine Go Group um, and Facebook. We're trying to get some some more followers over there um, as well as LinkedIn. So okay. you can type in Clementine Go Group and find us on all
0: avenues and platforms, but we're in business, y'all. Come. Come wonderful. work with us. I'm so, so excited for Absolutely. you. It is an honor to talk to you during this likewise, Black likewise. Business Month. Right. Thank you so much. Even though it's August and we are celebrating Black Business yeah. Month, we are expecting and hoping that folks will continue to support Black business Absolutely. throughout the year. Absolutely. So thank you so much, Ms. Akua. Yeah, it thanks was a for pleasure. having me. Always, always a pleasure. Thank you so much.